Uh, when I was a university student, I had the opportunity to take a course, a module in astronomy. And I have to say, I enjoyed it immensely. The stars are fascinating to me. One thing that I noticed when I moved here to Wales is that this is not the best place to be a stargazer because we so often have thick cloud cover. <clears throat> but over the decades, um, I have oftentimes gone outside, especially when I lived in Africa for 20 years. I would go outside and I would look at the stars and be amazed. Uh, there was oftentimes a, a wonderful view of our Milky Way galaxy. And because I was in the Southern Hemisphere, I could see constellations that I never saw when I was a boy growing up. I could see the Southern Cross in the Southern Hemisphere, a beautiful constellation. If you want to feel small, very, very, very small, study astronomy. Did you know that our spiral galaxy, the Milky Way, has hundreds of billions of stars? And perhaps billions of planets as well. Our sun, which is a million times larger than our world, is only one of hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Did you know that the Milky Way galaxy is about 100,000 light years across? Light traveling how fast? 186,000 miles per second would take 100,000 years to light. Would take that long to pass from one side of the Milky Way to another. It is so huge that until the early 20th century, scientists believed that our galaxy was the only one. The most recent estimates of the number of galaxies in the universe are around two trillion galaxies. One can hardly get one's mind around such staggering figures. We can't imagine how huge the universe really is that the Milky Way is thought to be one of two trillion galaxies. And many galaxies have hundreds of billions of stars in them. Years ago, it dawned on me that, astronomically speaking, I'm like a speck on a speck on a speck on a speck. Studying astronomy makes you feel very, very small. Well, what does all this have to do with John chapter 1? Do you know the carol, See Amid the Winter's Snow? I brought my hymnal. 
my American hymnal with me. Let me read the first two stanzas. See amid the winter's snow, born for us on earth below. See the tender lamb appears, promised from eternal years. Lo, within the manger lies He who built the starry skies. He who throned in heights sublime sits amid the cherubim. Within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. With perhaps trillions of galaxies each one containing billions of stars? It's beyond our ability to describe, isn't it? It's astonishing. It's beyond our minds to understand. This is stupendous, awesome teaching that John gives us. Look at verse 3 here in John chapter 1. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Without God the Son, nothing would exist. You and I would not exist. This world would not exist with its oceans and forests and mountains, and deserts. Nor would the sun and the moon exist. The Milky Way galaxy would not exist, nor would the perhaps two trillion other galaxies. Do you believe your Bible? Do you believe that God is the maker of heaven and earth? Well, then believe what John says here. All things were made through Him, the Word, who was with God and who was God, God the Son. It isn't only the Apostle John who speaks about these things. If you turn over in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 1, We read this, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power, or by His powerful word is another way of putting it. God the Son upholds all things. Not only has He created all things, He also upholds all things, sustains all things, maintains the existence of all things by His powerful Word. All things came into existence through Him, and everything continues to exist because of God the Son, Jesus Christ. 
This is the uniform teaching of Scripture. We could also read in Colossians, where Paul writes, By Him were all things created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, Paul writes, For us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, we see Jesus described as the originator of God's creation. This great creator God is beyond our comprehension. He he is exalted high above his creation. We are to bow before him in his majestic holiness. Our great creator is beyond us. Our great creator is infinitely beyond our reach. But then one night, around 5 BC, God wasn't beyond us. He became one of us. God the Son took our human nature. He wasn't beyond us at all. John writes in his first epistle, um, the opening words, actually, of, of his letter. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, he's speaking of Jesus Christ here, the life was made manifest and we have seen it, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. John would have hugged Jesus. He would have seen Jesus with his own eyes. He would have spent time with Jesus and eaten with Jesus. At Christmas time, Christians call the world to be amazed that God the Son was born in a manger. In Bethlehem, the followers of Christ plead with non-Christians, don't be distracted by all the trappings of Christmas parties and all the, all the alcohol and Father Christmas and the Christmas sales, even if those can be a lot of fun. Don't be distracted by those. Consider who Jesus is. Consider who he really is. Lo, within the manger lies he who built the starry skies. In a short while, um, we'll be closing our service with, with, uh, with a carol. Perhaps a carol that you've never heard. A very old carol that begins this way.
Behold, the great Creator makes Himself a house of clay. (laughs) This. The great Creator makes Himself a house of clay. Think about that. What does that mean? And how could the great Creator, God the Son, stoop so low as to be born a human being, even a helpless baby? It's astonishing. And I think that we will spend eternity still amazed that God has done that. That we might belong to Him. Do we understand that God the Son, the creating Word, will forever be the God-man? In that closing hymn, or that closing carol that I just mentioned, let me read the entire first stanza as a kind of introduction. Behold, the great Creator makes Himself a house of clay, a robe of human flesh He takes, which He will wear for a forever. It's amazing. I remember years ago preaching a sermon in December where I asked myself and the congregation, are your Christmases anything like the first one? Filled with awe and wonder and worship. As your brother in Christ, my prayer is that yours has been this month filled with wonder, love, and praise. And that your future Christmases will be too. May you be carried away with celebrating Jesus and His birth, understanding who He really is. I confess that I cannot explain the great mysteries which John writes about in his Gospel. It's beyond me but I can worship and adore God the Son. I can ponder the miracle child of Bethlehem and be amazed. He who created our lungs used His own to cry out that night He was born. He who made my limbs helplessly kicked his legs and waved his arms at birth. He who formed our eyeballs gazed with his own eyes on the face of his mother. He who made my mouth with which I speak to you this morning nursed at his mother's breast with his mouth. The one who made man became man, showing us the love of God, leading us to find peace with God as he started down the road to the cross. The fact that Christ is creator explains why he could wince and be saddened, even angry, when he saw a creature racked with pain crippled up, disease-ridden. Countless times, Jesus, as the Creator, would heal those needy people, wouldn't He? We read these stories in our Gospels. 
Why did he do this? Because he had the power. Yes. Because he was merciful? Yes. But also, also because he hated the effects of sin that ravage his creatures. As creator, he hated to see the deterioration of the human body and all the curse of disease and injury and death. These run contrary to God's original purpose for his creatures. The creator came down to earth to recreate what we have destroyed by our sin and rebellion. We sinners wreck ourselves. We wreck God's world. And only the Creator God can put things right. And undo the damage. Remake things. Indeed, God so loved the world that He came down to rescue us. Some might ask, why does the Apostle John identify Jesus as the creating Word? The answer is that people have twisted ideas. People have twisted ideas about God's relationship to everything that we see around us. John wants to make certain that his readers understand that Christ is the creator and he is God of all things. Back in John's day, many were confused on this issue. And it all had to do with a popular philosophy called Platonism. The teaching was about a matter and spirit dualism. What is good is spirit, they said. And what is evil is matter, this material universe. In its extreme form, Platonism said that God would never do anything with matter. Never create anything material because that's evil. And that was essentially saying that this world is all a big mistake. Some other creating force, some demiurge, finally appeared who was malevolent enough and powerful enough and stupid enough to make this cursed physical world. Well, John contradicts that foolishness. And says that God created everything that exists. This world is God's world. It all belongs to him because he's made it. Uh, Psalm 24, right? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. He made it all for himself. This world is God's world. God has created this good and beautiful world which humanity keeps ruining. The human body is not a bad thing, but a good thing. Christ's coming into this world and being born a human being proves this truth. The human body is not a bad thing at all. So, how about our age? What are the lies that people believe in our own day? And how does the creating word, Jesus Christ, contradict those lies? Let me mention two. 
Eastern religions like Hinduism attract many people in the West. And that Eastern mysticism teaches a kind of pantheism that everything is God. Some of us may remember back in the 1980s the American actress Shirley MacLaine used to go around saying that she was God. And everyone else is God. She was influenced powerfully by Eastern mysticism. But John says in our passage, no, the universe is not God. No creature is God. The universe is not eternal. No mere creature is God through him, John says. Through the word, God's son, all things were made. Worship the creator, not the creature. Another great lie of our age is the flat denial that there is a supernatural God behind the existence of the universe. Many who teach natural sciences believe um, in what a leading philosopher of science, Karl Karl Popper, has called scientism. They don't really believe in science. They believe in scientism, the doctrine that all true human knowledge is only gained through scientific investigation. Only science gives us the facts, they argue. Forget God. Forget God. Naturalistic evolution is the only explanation for our existence. It's fully adequate. According to such people, any explanation that leaves place for God isn't science. Goodness me. Tell that to the greatest names in the history of science. Newton, Pascal, Faraday, Boyle, Mendel, Kelvin. All those great scientists were firmly Bible-believing Christians. Tell that to Francis Collins, the brilliant geneticist, who converted from atheism to Christianity. He recently wrote these words. I have found there is a wonderful harmony in the complementary truths of science and faith. The God of the Bible is also the God of the genome. Collins was actually one of those who figured out the DNA, um, the, the, the genome. He writes, God can be found in a cathedral or in the laboratory. By by investigating God's majestic and awesome creation, science can actually be a means of worship, Collins concluded. It's an irony that is painful. Atheistic scientists use their God-given brains and their God-given breath to scoff at the idea of a creator. To them, John the Evangelist says, all things were made through him, God the Son. And without him was not anything made that was made. A student, this is another American story, I regret. Um, 
A student walked into his professor's office. He'd been invited. And as he entered his professor's office, he saw this superb planetarium, a very precise model of our solar system with the planets um, uh, orbiting around the sun. And the student was, was fascinated by this planetarium and said, who made this? And the professor said, no one. <clears throat> the student laughed <laughs> and asked again, uh, who, who made this fine model? And the professor answered, no one. It just happened. The student became confused and just a little bit irritated. The professor replied, well, if you can go out of this class in astronomy and look at nature around you and believe that it just happened, you can believe that this precise piece of work just happened without a creator. Dear friends, I call on you today to worship Christ, your creator. Your creator as well as your savior. Praise him because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Adore the Lord Jesus Christ for making and redeeming an amazingly complex creature as yourself. That's how powerful Christ is as the creating word. That is how wise a God we have. Be all the more amazed that the one who made man became man. There is no greater miracle in this world. No greater miracle in history. No greater miracle in the Bible than the Incarnation, the Eternal Word, the Creating Word, becoming flesh and living among us. The world would rather celebrate human creations than God's creation. Manufactured goods, right? <clears throat> the consumerism of uh, the Christmas season is Crazy, isn't it? Many stores rely on Christmas to bring in half of their profits in a year. Wow. One woman that I spoke to a few years ago told me in July that she was still paying off her Christmas bills. There's a lot of materialism, a lot of consumerism that distracts people from Christmas. But it's our duty not to curse the darkness, but to let our lights shine. It's our calling to show friends and family and neighbors what Christmas is all about, what Christianity is all about. Worshiping the Creator God who came down out of heaven to save His people from their godlessness and sin. Since Christ is your Creator, you owe Him everything. You belong to Him, body and soul, in life and in death. 
You belong to Him. Not only because He bought you, but because He made you to begin with. Recognize Christ the Creator's claim upon you. He looks at you and He says, You are Mine. Don't withhold anything from Him. Yield yourself to Him. All all that you have, yield yourself to Him as your Creator. If you do recognize Christ's authority as Creator, it will make all the difference in the world in how you celebrate a Christmas season like this one. With awe, reverence, joy. That He has come to us. And I think it will make all the difference in how you enter the new year, 2024. Let us worship Christ, our Creator.